0: building grit one call at a time. In this podcast, I take my experiences and I use those to build grit. I use those experiences to change my mindset, change my mental capacity, change the way that I look at things. Today, I wanted to talk about my experience going to Uganda. And so, for those of you who know me, those that you don't, I went in 2019 to Uganda on a medical mission. And the reason we were going to Uganda was to go to an organization called Musana. And at Musana, they run a few schools, um, they have a clinic, they do really great things in Uganda. And this organization started out uh, with just a a dream from a couple of people and grew into something that is truly amazing. Now they have, uh, like I said, several schools They have what is considered to be a hospital, and they just have a lot of good things going in Uganda. And up to that point in my life, I had been out of the country, I mean, I have been overseas one time, I had been to Thailand, and I had never been into a country that was like Uganda. And Uganda is close to the equator, so it's year-round about roughly 80 degrees, and it's, it's a beautiful country. However, it's a very poor country. There's not a lot of money. There is a wide range. There is people who have money, and then there is very, very, very poor people that are in true poverty. And I really learned what poverty was when I was in Uganda because... Our perspective of poverty in America is very different than the perspective of poverty when you go into a country like Uganda. Poverty here, we still have our basic needs. We still have the ability, even if you don't have money, you can go to the hospital and get medical treatment. You can go and find food one way or another. There's always some type of resource available if you go out and do the work to get it here in America. In Uganda, it's not like that. And I experienced that firsthand when I went to Uganda. And so, when we got in there, we got to tour the area, see... The schools see the amazing things that they're doing. The kids that would not have access to schooling that are getting access to schooling, and um, they're really just doing an amazing thing there. And they had started a hospital, what they what they would consider a hospital, what they would consider a hospital versus what we would consider a hospital is com- two completely different things. However, they started this hospital, and we were there to number one go to the hospital, meet with some of the doctors, the nurses, the people who were caring for patients um, and give them some education and just kind of evaluate what they were doing as well as we were there to go out and do what they call pop-up clinics. And they usually do these pop-up clinics on their own. However, when the, the Ugandan people in that area hear that there are American doctors coming, they really get excited and they really want to see these American doctors. I think for just because they have hope that they're going to help them in a way that they have not been able to bend be helped before. And so I want to start out with the experience I had in the hospital with my team. So we were in the, the hospital, I would, I would call it more of a clinic, a lot of open air rooms. That It's not what you would consider in America as sanitary conditions. And there is people who are coming in constantly with malaria, with just all this disease. And there is not a lot of access To the traditional treatments that we have in America. And so I want to reflect back on one experience in specific that was very difficult for my team. And they had, we had a little kiddo come in. He was very young, under the age of four, I believe. And he was very sick and he was not doing well. He had several, he had malaria, he had several things going on. He had blood disease. And when he came in, he just did not look good. And when they went back into the room with the PA that was with us, with our team, we had a team that had a doctor, PA, nurse practitioner. Anyways, it was the PA that was with him. This young child passed away and the PA was shocked. He was... You know, he was caught off guard and tried to start CPR on this individual, on this child. In that moment, everyone realized that they are not equipped and they do not do CPR in Uganda because they just don't have the capabilities. And if you do save that person with CPR, what now? what's next? Where does the treatment go? There's just not a lot of treatment. There's not the traditional ICU facility they don't have the children's facilities like we have. They don't have all of the access to the things that we have. And so the team is trying to do CPR on this child and we quickly realized that there's no oxygen. There's no AED. There is no basic cardiac medications that we use on cardiac arrest epinephrine, the things that we use. There is none of the equipment that we are used to having here in America to do this task, to do this thing that we're so used to. And that was a difficult thing to swallow. So, the CPR could perform for, I can't be for sure how long it was, but it just was not going to do anything. There was nothing we could do. It was outside of our hands. And they wrapped that child up in a blanket and they jumped on a motorcycle and they took off. And that was a difficult thing to swallow. It was a difficult thing, especially coming from my being here in America, where when something like that happens, you have access to all of your tools. If something like that happens, you walk away at least feeling like, hey, I did everything that I could do. This is a really terrible situation, but I did everything that I had in my power I could do. Now, you go to Uganda and you're stripped of your tools. You're stripped of the things that you usually have access to. Not having your tools, not having the things that you're used to having and then trying to do this task is difficult. It's hard to swallow. It's hard to walk away from something like that knowing that you didn't do everything you could do. Now, we didn't have the access to those things and so you have to, in your mind, say, okay, I did do what I could do at that moment, right? Because even though I didn't have my tools, even though we didn't have the things that we're used to having access to, we still did everything that we could. And so, relating this back to life, I just want to say like sometimes when you're doing stuff, when you're working through things and something bad happens, maybe you didn't have the access to the tools that you usually have access to. And that's okay. When you don't have access to your tools, doesn't mean that you don't do anything. You see, we still acted. We still took action because we saw a need and we went for it. And we did everything that we possibly could. And so when you're doing things, if you don't have your tools, don't blame the tools. Don't blame the lack of access to things. Control what you can control. And do the things that you can do so that you can walk away and say, yes, this situation really sucks. However, I've done everything that I can do. I have done everything in my power. And so, if you can walk away with that, you will be stronger because of it. There's one thing that really resonated with me with this whole situation was... In my position, I see death so often that I am, I have—I would say I would have a, like an iron wall that I put up in front of me. And my team, they are in a different aspect of healthcare. You know, I have a very unique position about uh, being a medic, being in the field, seeing death so often in really uncontrolled environments. A lot of the other healthcare providers, they are in a controlled environment and they're used to things happening under control. And so they were hit hard pretty hard by that. They were devastated. I really tried to comfort them through that event and just remind them like, hey, you guys did everything you could. It was very humbling. It was a very humbling moment for the team. It was, it was sad. It was difficult. However, we're so much stronger because of it. We have built another level of understanding and another level of grit because of that situation. Now, fast forward. We just have this thing happen in this hospital. Now we're going to go out and do these pop-up clinics. Our team has already hit a little hard, but we still are there to do a job. One event is not going to stop us from moving forward and becoming and doing the things that we came to do. We had a night where we all just kind of gathered together and we said, hey, this sucks, but we're going to we're gonna bond together and we're going to become stronger and we're going to push through this. And we did. And so we got up and we went and we started to do these pop-up clinics. And these pop-up clinics, I wish that I could just... There's no words that can describe what it was like to be in these pop-up clinics. And so we all loaded up in these buses and we went to these areas that people who they just don't have access to healthcare. They don't have access to people to help them. And so, we do these pop-up clinics and the first day we drive up and there is just hundreds and hundreds of people standing around this outdoor building that we're going to be doing this pop-up clinic waiting for us to come. And when you're driving up, it's like, wow, look at all these people that are in need. And so, the day goes, starts going really well. We see, I want to say roughly 500 patients in that day, four to 500 that day. And we were doing HIV screens and malaria and typhoid. We're doing all these blood screens. You know, the doctors are seeing these people and then they're, we're prescribing medications. And then, so this first day we get through everything, feels like a really good day. Feel, we feel like, okay, man, you know, we had this bad thing happen. However, we just had this clinic and now, you know, we did did good work today. We go back to the, uh, what you'll call like a compound. We get up the next day and we gain go back to the same spot that we were. And again, drive up, same amount of people there waiting. Just mind-blowing because we were just here. And I'm like, man, where are all these people coming from? Because we're out in the middle of nowhere. Like, it's so crazy. Where, Where in the world are they coming from? But they were there. And about halfway into day two, we started to run out of malaria tests. And we are in an area where... Malaria is it is there. There's a lot of malaria. I would say that at least 50% of the tests that we were taking, people were positive for malaria. We start running out of these tests and I'm like, oh man, this really sucks because here's all these people who have malaria likely and we can't test them. We can't test them. can't really treat them for the malaria. Well, then fast forward to that day and towards the end of the day and we start running out of medication. We started running out of malaria medication. We start running out of uh, the things to treat these patients. And now the reality is starting to set in for me is that we are here to help these people and we can't even help the people that are here to get help. We just don't have the resources. We don't have the things to treat all these people. And again, in a moment, I realize and am humbled by the fact that, number one, I'm so lucky to live where I live and have the access to things that I have access to. And number two, I'm just overwhelmed by the feeling of frustration, of not understanding, of just shock of there are all these people that we cannot treat and we're not coming back here. This is the last day that we're here. We're not coming back. You know, they may come back and do a pop-up clinic in the future, but they only do these pop-up clinics 3 times a month and they do them all over the place. And so that one area, it can be months before they see a doctor, before they see somebody before they uh, get the test for malaria, before they get the m- medication. Often Likely some of these people are to die because they just don't have the access. Devastating. Devastating thing to swallow. We went back to the compound that night uh, and the next day we had a day off um, because it is a lot to do these clinics. It's very exhausting. And I remember waking up and just being overwhelmed, overwhelmed with the feeling of defeat and frustration. And at the time, all 250 pounds of me, all 250 pounds of man had 250 pounds of man tears. And I just let it all out. And being a man that doesn't cry often, there was a lot there. And so, I had a big release and reflecting back, I just, it was such a difficult thing to swallow. It was a difficult thing to understand. You feel like it's not fair. You feel like you start to question your why of why you were there, why you're doing what you were doing, if you were actually even make, making a difference. And I had to stop. I had to stop myself and I had to step back and I had to take a deep breath and I had to remind myself that I'm working with the tools that I have. I'm doing everything that I can do and I am doing good. Now, when there are so many things going on in your life, there is so much noise and so many things and you feel like, "Man, I can't. I'm not doing anything. I'm I'm not doing anything at all. I'm just spinning my wheels." Like I felt in that moment. I felt like I was spinning my wheels because there were so many people, not enough medication, not enough tests. However, If you really just stay focused and do what you can do, control what you can control and make a difference where you can make a difference. And that's what we did. You see, it was worth it because even if we only saved one life, it was worth saving that one life. And so, instead of focusing on the negative, the gamut of people that we were unable to see, I focused in on the fact that we did make a difference in some people's lives And probably a significant amount of people's lives. Because looking back, in three days, we saw 1,300 patients, which is unreal. I mean, if you... The average ER, I think, in, in the state that I'm in... From my knowledge, the census is usually 220 patients in an ER, roughly 200, about 200, I could say, on average, probably 200 patients a day in an ER. When you look at it and see that an ER has got several physicians, uh, several nurses, they have shifts, that's in a 24-hour period. You know, we saw four or 500 patients a day in a 12-hour period with two physicians, a PA, a nurse practitioner, and some nurses, and and me, the, the medic, the lonely medic. And that, man, when you when I look back at that, that is amazing. That is so awesome. The feeling that I have now looking back is that, man, we may not have been able to help everyone, but we sure did do a good job of helping quite a few people. And that feeling is really good. It makes you feel good. Like, hey, I really made a difference. Uh, and it's awesome. I want you just to remind yourself that it is easy to get caught up in the negative thoughts, the negative feelings, the things that you aren't good enough, that you didn't do anything. You are, it wasn't worth it, but it was because you made a difference. We made a difference. We did something that was amazing. You know, I talk to people and they're like, oh my goodness, that's so amazing. And so when you're doing things, often you're harder on yourself than what everybody else, the outward perspective of what they see, they see the good. Instead of being caught up in yourself, caught up in your inner being, step out of that box. Step outside. Look at the perspective, the thousand foot perspective, the 10,000 foot perspective, the 100,000 foot perspective. Get all of those perspectives and use those in your mindset. Because I promise you, once you step out of your own way and you step outside and you take a perspective from outward looking in instead of inward looking out, you will be amazed of what the thought process and the things that other people are seeing that you can't see yourself. And that's a difficult thing to do. It's difficult to step outside of your own shoes. It's difficult to take a deep breath and do that. Again, I promise you once you do, it'll be life-changing. And so, the last day... We we've had this we've had this pretty rough trip I would say you know looking back again it, it was an amazing trip it was an amazing thing well, we fast forward to this last clinic and this last clinic we're late everybody's tired we get out to this um, remote area it was a long drive I can't even remember it was a, like hour and a half two hours long all I remember is how long it was we roll up and it's like noon and we get out there and. We start doing our thing. Well, like two hours into this clinic, it starts dumping rain. I mean, just pouring. And I'm like, really? Are you serious right now? Can we catch a break? And so we're in the middle of nowhere. Uganda, and there is little to no cover. It is just dumping, and the cover that you have, it's you're getting wet, like you're getting wet. And so we have our van, and then we had the bus that dropped out. So it was the van that held like ten people, and then the bus. And so it's dumping rain, and so one of our hosts brings the van over us for us to get in, so we're not getting wet. And so we're standing in this little this little out shed, basically. Uh, And he pulls up the van right next to this outshed and it's got this big concrete lip that's probably about uh, 20 inches. The van door is not lined up with that. It's kind of down and pretty close to that. And so the door is open and I watch uh, one of our team members. Uh, She gets in the van and kind of slips and falls forward and hits her head in inside the van because it was, it was slick. Yeah. So she falls forward and she like wham hits her head and she's like, whoo, you can see like, see, she's seen the stars. Well, the next gal, she goes to go get in and I'm kind of going, man, like we got to stop. This is not going well. She goes to get into the van and steps forward and slips just like the gal did before her. And she, her head goes straight into the top of this rusty van's opening where the door was and the blood just starts I mean, it was just a stream. And those of you who are in the field, you know how bad head bleeds can be. And so this head bleed is just gushing blood. It is just going, and everybody looks at me, of course, because I'm the medic. I'm the like I'm the, the, the emergency medicine guy, and so everybody lo- looks at me like, "Hey, are you, gonna, are you gonna do something?" So I'm like, "Oh man, here we go." Like, so I jump in the van, and there is blood going everywhere, and I'm like, "Hey, somebody hand me some gauze!" Like you know, I just I get into the action of what I do. Uh, that's what I do. It's how I operate. Well. I'm used to that emergency type of situation. And so get some gauze. you know, I put some pressure up against her head. I just comfort her and say, hey, you know, we kind of chuckle a little bit like, isn't this just just great? Isn't this just the way that this trip has been going? Should we have have expected any less than something like this to happen? But in that moment, I was able to bring my team together. Uh, I gathered everyone together. We loaded up as many as we could in the van. And, you know, we banded together and we became stronger at that moment. And looking back, the one thing about that situation that I remember well is that it wasn't about the head being busted open that, you know, that part sucked for her. That was a difficult thing. However, it was just like the pulse of the trip. It was just one of those moments where you're like, like, oh, my goodness, we cannot catch a break. We can just not catch a break on this trip. And the tears of that poor, that poor gal, I I just love her soul. I love her heart. Uh, She just, she just bawled, you know, and it wasn't about, again, it wasn't about that head, that head wound. It was just like all the emotion of everything going on and then to top it off, to bust your head open, just get, you know, literally busted your head open. It was just, I felt sorry for her. I, this this situation was terrible. But you know, we, we band together. I, I got our group together. I was like, okay, Hey, we're going to gather as many as we can into this van. Cause this is the only vehicle we have here right now. And we are going to go back on this two hour drive to the clinic and we are going to get you stitched up. And so the PA that was with us, uh, he does surgeries. He does the, like, that's his thing and so he's the stitch guy totally he was ready to take care of her no problem so we got back to the compound we dropped everybody off and we went over to the clinic and our pa and myself went over to um, the clinic with this gal and we got her stitched up and she was all good and it was just right above her hairline uh, so no scar in a visible area like it was best case scenario the thing that also When we were there doing the stitches, again, I was reminded of how little access of things that they had in that facility, because luckily the PA had brought his own stitch kit because the stitches that they had available to them, the the equipment they had available to them was not the correct equipment. And so when you do not have the correct equipment, it's difficult to get things done the right way. However, he did it. Because he, you know, he was like, there's no option. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that we get you stitched up. So we got her stitched up. Go back to the compound. We're still waiting for the rest of our team to get back. And what had happened is they had brought the bus. And then the bus drove all the way back. And then the bus had to drive all the way back again to pick up our team. And so our team did not get back until roughly... 10 o'clock that night. And we were supposed to have this big, it was our last night. We were supposed to have this big dinner. We were all laughing and talking about our trip. And we didn't get that. We didn't get to do that. We didn't get that experience. And it, it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate that we didn't get to experience that, you know, but looking back on it, it was good. It was good to get a raw, real understanding of what these people are going through on a daily basis of what life truly looks like for them. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. I feel so blessed to have this experience that I have in my back pocket now because number one, I know what true poverty looks like right now. I know what that is. I remember having a conversation with one of the founders of Musana and he said something that was very profound to me. I didn't even realize I was in poverty until somebody told me. And so he thought that feeling hungry all the time was just but how everyone felt. And until someone said, hey, you're not supposed to feel that way, he didn't even know that. And that's pretty crazy when you think about it, when you step back and think about it, like in America, you know if you're going without things, like you know what you don't have. They're in such a level of poverty that they don't even realize what they don't have. You know, I didn't really ever think about that until he told me that. And I was like, wow, that is what true poverty is. True poverty is when you don't even know that you're in poverty because you're in so much poverty, mind blowing to me, you know, just, I mean, my perspective has completely changed, you know, and I, there's something about being in a country like Uganda that just helps you to reconnect with yourself, reconnect with the things that really matter and just live deep in your soul and see where you are and meet yourself in your own space. And I feel so lucky to have had that experience and have the ability to Look at back at that and look at my roots and look at where I come from and realize the abundance that I have. Even though some of us feel like we are not living an abundant life, I promise you, if you step back and you take a look, there is so much abundance. And here's the thing: in America, there is opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. It's just how bad do you want it? How bad are you gonna how hard are you gonna work? And what are you gonna do to go out and seek it? When you're in a country like Uganda. There is not the opportunity available to those people. Some of them there is, but the reality is some of them is there's just not any opportunity to be available to them. I just want to remind you that you may feel like you're not making it. You may feel like you're failing. You may feel like the world is caving in around you. It's okay to be in that space. Just understand that you have the opportunity to take yourself out of that space you have the opportunity to work hard, to seek things, to change. That's all in, within your wheelhouse if you choose to do it. Uganda, man, what an experience. I hope that this podcast gives you some perspective, helps you to think about the way you look at things. Think about what you have. Think about the abundance you have. Because I promise you, there are people in the world who do not have near what you have. Be blessed. Take your wins where you can take them. Don't let failure be an option. Be strong. Believe in yourself. Know that you can do it if you choose to. Thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of Building Grit, one call at a time. If you have any questions or you'd like to review me tell me what you think about the podcast, you can find me on Instagram at Building Grit. appreciate you listening. If you could leave me a review on Apple in specific, I'd appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks.